Father Dave is, uh, is a Franciscan friar, and he's come, he's come to be with us um, with many, many years of wonderful experience in prayer ministry. He's helped lead and guide um, the, the conferences uh, that flow out of Franciscan University of Steubenville. He's um, the celebrated author of, of some books, and also he's done a lot of work on the Holy Spirit. You may have heard of his, his work on the wild goose, the Holy Spirit, which he's going to be sharing with us a little bit tonight. Uh, so he, we've been praying about all of our speakers for since this begun and it sort of morphed into this event encounter. And so we're just super delighted. It really felt like Holy Spirit timing that, uh, that Father Dave was able to come tonight. So I just want to start with a quick prayer for him as a community, and then I'll welcome him up. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we praise your name. We thank you for the gift of Father Dave's life and ministry and for his presence here tonight. We ask that you guide his words and guide his heart and that you bless him abundantly um, in all that he does and most especially in this time of ministry here tonight. In your name, Jesus, we pray. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Give it up for Father Dave. Thank you very much. All right. All right. It's really a great blessing for me to be able to be with you. Uh, I was in Louisiana a long time ago with NET, if anyone's familiar with NET, the National Evangelization Team. So I get to come back to Louisiana about every year for something, and it's always great to be back here. Amen? So if I say amen, you need to respond amen. Like we believe it. All right. Amen? Cool. Now, when they first asked me to do this, I was thinking LSU was playing tonight, and I thought, this is horrible. All right, nobody's going to come tonight, but it's tomorrow night, because that's how our God works things out for us. Amen? Okay, here's, here's just a, kind of a rhetorical question, just for you to think for yourself for a moment. Again, you don't have to raise your hand or anything like that, but who came here this evening thinking, my life's going to change? Like, when this night is over, I'm going to be different. And I want to actually encourage us to try to begin to think like that a little ways, because I think oftentimes we really don't expect God to do much in our life. I mean, we have this idea of God, but it's often in this box. And we don't really expect God to do amazing things. We don't expect him to do powerful things. If we're honest, when we come to Mass on Sunday, we really don't expect to really be changed. We come to Mass because we're supposed to, and that's good. But I would like to invite us to give God a little bit of space and expect him to do something great tonight. Amen? That literally five years, 10 years, 20 years from now, you can say, let me tell you about an evening. It was really crazy. All right? I was at LSU and they had this evening and like my life changed that night. And I believe in a God who can actually do that. Amen? Amen. So let's pray again for a second. All right? Close your eyes. Open your heart. And I don't know what that looks like for you. But sometimes there's a way that we can come to something, we can say, well, I hope the guy gives a good talk so I get something out of it. And my prayer is that you can lean into what we're about tonight. I don't know exactly why you're here. Some of you, it's maybe because your girlfriend invited you, she guilted you into it. Some of you, because you knew there's free food. And some of you are really excited to be here. Lord, open our hearts that we can experience and encounter you tonight. Amen? Amen. So we begin as we begin everything. Knock, knock. The Holy Spirit. That's the problem. Okay? Literally, that's the problem, right? 
it's, you're all like, can I, wait, oh, okay, I got it, right, right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, again, you guys are in studies, I know. It's, it's, but seriously, like, I really think that that is, in fact, a problem, is the reality is, is within each one of us, the Spirit of God has been given to us in baptism, and yet, I think the vast majority of us oftentimes aren't living with any power or any grace. The Spirit just kind of lays there, and I want to suggest that what we, all of us needs is a greater relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because that literally changes everything. It changes everything. See, my experience is, is that I get to travel around, and, and that's my full-time ministry, is, is I'm just on the road all the time. And what I see is, is a population of people, largely Catholics, who want to try to do what's right, who wants to try to do what's good, we try to live a virtuous life, we try to live a holy life, and yet, so oftentimes we fall. Amen? Romans 7. Me growing up was Romans 7. High school, early college, Romans 7. I'm from the most beautiful state in the country, which would be Colorado. Whoever said Colorado, that's a good answer right there, right? Actually, she knows me, so that's why she knew the answer, right? Um, Romans 7 says, why do I do the things I don't want to do? Why do I do the things I don't want to do? And it seems like I can never do the things that I want to do. Anybody here ever made a decision, okay, I'm not going to do that again? And it lasts a week, two weeks, till you see somebody again, right? In many ways, that was my experience. Trying to live this life without any real sense of power. And I was serious about my faith. There was never a time that I didn't go to church. There was never a time that faith wasn't important to me, which in some ways I think made it actually more difficult because I was trying to live a life. I was trying to be faithful. I was trying to be a good Catholic and all those kinds of things, but I simply didn't have the power to be able to do it. So here's what we usually do is what we usually do is we make up our mind, I'm going to try harder this time. I'm just, this Lent, anybody say this Lent is going to be different, right? I'm going to do better. So at the end of the Lent, I'll be a saint and everything will be fine after that. Amen? And then we fall. And then we say, no, I've, I've just got to work hard. I've just got to try hard. And then we fall. And this actually becomes destructive because we begin to despair. It's like, crap, I, I can't even do this. You know, how many times some of you have said, okay, when I go to the Internet, I'm not going to look at this or I'm not going to do that. And you fall, right? What I'm experiencing, what I'm seeing is a large population of people who just, they just don't seem to have any power, right? They're... Their faith seems to be kind of stagnant and, and not fully alive. Just in your mind and your heart, how would you describe your faith? Fire, power, enthusiasm, fear, anxiety, lonely, whatever, right? I suggest that what each one of us needs is the Spirit of God. And an image that I use is uh, one of snorkeling. Has anyone ever been snorkeling? Who's been down in the Caribbean snorkeling? Okay, next year we'll do this down in the Caribbean, all right? Father Andrew? You're good with that? He's in. Okay. Next year, uh, San Lucia, which is a beautiful, beautiful island, all right? So it's the coolest thing. When you get down and you look at the water, and it's just gorgeous, right? The sand and the trees and all that kind of thing is just beautiful. And yet, when you put a mask on your face and then put your face in the water, what you discover is there is a whole new world there. Animals, fish. Creepy things, eels, turtles, occasional shark, right? Colors, plants. This world has been there all along, but we're not able to see it. And the only way you can see it is if you. I want to suggest that it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit, right? Is that there is a world out there that has been there all along, 
And what the Lord wants to be able to do is stir in in us the power of the Holy Spirit that literally opens up a world that's been there all along, but we're not able to see it because the Spirit of God isn't animating our life, right? We're just kind of going through the motions and doing things because we're supposed to and doing it for all kinds of reasons, but it's not until the Spirit of God animates and literally breathes life into us that it opens up, and I guarantee you guys, it opens up a whole new world, a world of grace and a world of mercy and a world of power and a world of forgiveness and a world of of, of self-control and all of these kinds of things that we hear about, but it doesn't happen until the Spirit of God is awakened in each one of us. Amen? That was so weak. Amen? Amen. A little bit better, okay? And where do we find this? Can you hold that for a second? Thanks. It's like my banner white. Okay, cool. So where do we find this? Take a moment just and think about the uh, scriptures. I'm going to ask you a really, really easy question. And the answer is, it's not a trick question. So when you take a look at the Gospels, uh, who taught the disciples how to pray? Let's say it like we actually know, guys. Okay, exactly. Um, Who taught them how to forgive? Who taught them uh, how to preach? I mean, who is their catechist? Who is the disciples' catechist? My suspicion, Andrew, is, Father Andrew, that you would hire Jesus as a catechist in this parish. Absolutely, right. And then, and then he would leave and we'd never see him again, right? He'd be down in the Caribbean. Okay, here, here's the thing, okay? Think about this for a moment. What the apostles and the disciples around Jesus had the advantage of seeing, that they saw Jesus heal people who were blind, right? They saw people that were cripples. They saw people with leprosy. They encountered Jesus and Jesus healed them. They saw this. They saw Jesus literally raise somebody from the dead. Amen? Amen? Okay, I've, I've not been able to do very, very many funerals in my day. I've done six funerals in my 23 years as a priest. All six of those people are still dead. Father Andrew, how many, how many funerals? Yeah. A hundred? hundred. Okay, how many of those a hundred? Because you've done a lot more. How many of those a hundred are alive? That's amazing. That's awesome. Things in Louisiana happen, all right? (laughs) Imagine this for a second. You go to your funeral of Aunt Edna, and you're sitting there, and everybody's sad in the front, and then you hear knocking inside the casket. And you hear Edna saying, hello. I mean, my suspicion is if you had a funeral here, and the dead person rose from the dead, there would be more people in mass the next week, right? Right, so the apostles saw all of this stuff. Let's not forget this, right? These aren't just fairy stories or magical stories. They saw Jesus raise people from the dead. And then where do we find them? After Jesus' death and resurrection, before his ascension, we find them in a room with the doors locked. Think about that for a second. My suspicion is when Jesus was going to the cross, his mind wasn't, I hope these people go to a room lock the doors and hide. That's really what I hope happens, right? Of course not. And yet I think that becomes the image of so many of our faith, is that we find ourselves in this room, this room becomes our cell, this room becomes fear, anxiety, hurt, shame, past, embarrassment, whatever it is, right? And we find ourselves locked there. And I want to suggest that it was never supposed to be that way. It was never supposed to be that way. That when Jesus was going to the cross and when Jesus had this vision, what he had this vision of was his men and women, his brothers and sisters, 
his sons and daughters living a dynamic life of faith. Amen? But that can only come about through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if we take a look at the very beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, in the first chapter, Jesus says, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And the promise of the Father, Jesus speaks about in the 11th chapter of Luke. And he says, what, what father would give his son a fish, or a fig if he asked for a fish, or a sore feet if he asked for, I don't know the rest of the story, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Amen? Amen. So Jesus says, how much more of the Holy Spirit would the Heavenly Father give to them? So he says, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of my Father, where you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power, and you will be able to give witness to me. So we all know this story, right? We, we celebrate this every year, that, that the apostles and the disciples, they go to this room, and the scripture tells us uh, that the doors are locked, and a strong driving wind, right, starts flowing through this. Now think about this for a second. They're in the room because they're afraid. The reason they're afraid is because they saw, or they heard, actually, only one of them actually saw what had happened to Jesus, but they didn't want that to happen to them. So the doors are locked, and the scripture says a strong driving wind flows through that room. And then it says tongues of fire begins to fall. And just for a moment to think about that, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but tongues of fire, literally fire begins to fall from heaven. Again, my suspicion is if when Father Andrew had Mass on Sunday, if he put his hands over the bread and the wine, fire started falling from heaven, people would pay attention. Amen? So we don't know exactly what happened, but tongues of fire begin to fall and it begins to rest on each one of them. And what happens after this is that this is the beginning and the birthday of the church. The church celebrates the birthday on Pentecost because it's from this experience that the men and women walk out of that room and they're different, right? They're different. They're changed. The same men and women that were frightened, that were nervous, that were anxious, that were hiding, that wanted to be in a door room locked, they walk out of that room different. Amen? And I want to suggest that that needs to happen to each and every one of us. It wasn't an experience merely for 2,000 years ago. Rather, it's the Spirit of God alive. The same Spirit that animates them animates us. Amen? So Peter walks out there, and Peter begins to preach, right? The same Peter that was nervous and frightened and scared begins to talk about Jesus. And they look at them, and they say, the crowd's amazed, right? Fire and thunder, and, and Peter's out there. And they say, he must be drunk. I mean, look at this guy. He must be drunk. And Peter says, it's not possible to be drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Exactly. Exactly. It's not possible to be drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. So there are confessions later. <laughs> Those of you who are chuckling know exactly what I mean. Amen? Guys, I'm serious. I want to suggest that what happened in there needs to happen here. Right? That the Spirit of God rested and they encountered this. The thing about this, right? They didn't go to that room and read a treatise. They didn't go to the room and there was this little folder there that they began to read about the Holy Spirit. What they encountered in that room was a person, right? was a person. So we believe in a God who's trying, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when they went to the room, they didn't walk in. They say, here's this little pamphlet. We would like you to read this. And this is going to change your life if you read this, right? No, 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 no. What they encountered was a person. And we need to encounter that same person that animates us. Because Jesus said that if you go there, you'll receive power, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we see that, right? We see these men and women that were frightened, they were afraid, and they go out and they begin to change, the, literally, they change the area and they begin to change the world. Amen? This needs to happen to us. Now, I'd like to contrast that, what happens in John's Gospel. John gives the same image, right? John says in the scriptures that they are in the room, the doors are locked, they're frightened. 
And in John's gospel, Jesus just appears to them. And the coolest thing, all right, just imagine this. And, and they're frightened, and Jesus just appears. That would kind of freak you out, but Jesus just appears to them. And what Jesus says to them is, peace be with you. In, in the midst of whatever is going on in their life, in the midst of what's going on in your life, Jesus says, peace be with you. What this tells us, right? is that peace is not an absence of difficulty. It's not an absence of strife. Peace is a presence. Jesus literally comes into the midst of, of all the stuff that's going on in their life, and he says, peace. I think sometimes we think we're going to be able to experience peace when the difficulties or the struggles are away, or we get whatever we want, right? That relationship or that job or that promotion or that A or whatever it is, right? Then we're going to experience peace. And Jesus comes into the midst of this, and he just says, peace. The scripture says the disciples were rejoicing, and then Jesus does something pretty cool. He shows them his hands and his side. He shows them the wounds on his hands. And what he's saying is, even in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your struggle, there is peace. And then Jesus does the coolest thing. He breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And I love to contrast those two things, right? In the Acts of the Apostles, you've got the strong driving wind, and you've got tongues of fire, and you've got all this kind of stuff. And in John's Gospel, you've just got Jesus breathes on them. But that breath goes all the way back to Genesis. Scripture says that, that God created man, and he was a lifeless mass, and he draws him to his chest. And God breathes into his nostrils. He says he breathes life into him. That's all of our story, right? I mean, who here hasn't ever felt like dry, like, the, like there was nothing alive in us? This idea of the breath of God is something that we find throughout the scriptures. There's a famous story in the 37th chapter of Ezekiel where Ezekiel's looking over this big valley and it's full of dry bones. And the Lord says, Ezekiel, what can bring these bones to life? And Ezekiel's like, I don't know. You're God. You tell me. And he says, Ezekiel, breathe life into these bones. That breath of God. But the thing I like about this is we have two images of receiving the Holy Spirit, one with fire and thunder, and sometimes that's how God works. I mean, it just knocks your socks off and just is just craziness. And other times it's totally simple and it's just a breath, Right? I love the image of a mother holding a child. And the mother can feel the breath of the child on her chest, and the baby can feel the breath of the mother. This closeness, that's what the Lord wants for us, right? It's to be able to have him breathe. Who, who here hasn't asked the Lord to breathe life in the midst of my fear, right? In the midst of my stress, in the midst of my anxiety, in the midst of my loneliness, breathe life in it. It's because the reality is, brothers and sisters, is we are all a lifeless mass until the Spirit of God is breathed into us. And I want to suggest that when we encounter that, when we experience that Spirit, it changes us, right? That the, the Scriptures talk about the Spirit coming upon it and bringing about change. And that's not just something other people have experienced, it's something that we should all experience. Amen? Jesus says, as I mentioned in the first chapter of Acts, he says, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are only a few things in all of the scriptures that speak of the, the same images, but that's one of them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Acts of the Apostles all speak of baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I remember the first time I had ever heard that term before. I was, uh, I'd gone to two years at the University of Colorado. And I was just kind of wrestling with my vocation, so I spent a year, as I mentioned, with NET. So the first night of it, it was kind of cool because it was all people my own age. You know, when I was in university, there were not a lot of people where I was at that were really into their faith. So to be with about 100 people who were all in their faith was really pretty cool. But they were a little bit different, right? The way they would sing was just a little bit different, and they were all kind of waving their hands and all this kind of thing, and they were just kind of speaking in languages that I couldn't understand. It's like, these people are weird because they were screaming and hollering about how much they love God. And it's like, okay, I love God, but I don't have to scream about it, right? So when, it was, when we're done with this prayer meeting, this guy comes up to me and he says, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because maybe I looked like I didn't quite fit in. And I said, well, well, I was baptized when I was a kid. And he goes, no, 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 baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'd never heard that term before, which was remarkable because I was the eighth grade Catechism B champion. You laugh. Any other eighth grade Catechism B champions? Two of us. Thank you very much, right? Did you go to the quarterfinals or just to the finals? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a sweet 16. That's not bad. It's not bad, but it's not the champion. Just saying, all right? So when he says this, it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he says, well, I want to pray with you. It's like, I'm sure you do, all right? He's like, puts up his hands. And it's like, I just stayed away from this guy for the next three days. Because all he wanted to do was like weirdness, all right? So I found somebody in this group that was somewhat normal. And I asked her, I said, you know this whole baptism of the Holy Spirit thing, what is that about? And she says, well, it's just Pentecost. And I said, what do you mean it's just Pentecost? And she goes, it's, it's Pentecost. The, the Pentecost isn't something merely to be experienced 2,000 years ago. It's supposed to be experienced today. And, and it's, so I just kind of wrestled with that. So I found myself in this little chapel, middle of St. Paul, Minnesota, by myself, just kind of pouring out my heart before God, praying. And I made a prayer, and I said, totally, totally simple. I said, Lord, I do not understand the Holy Spirit. I don't understand how the Holy Spirit's supposed to be present today. I don't understand how I'm supposed to have my own Pentecost. I don't understand what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. But if you want me to have your Holy Spirit, then that's what I want. And you guys, I can say that I would not be standing here right now if it wasn't for that experience. That what I encountered with the Lord, it was just the Spirit of God just coming and resting on me, and, and I just knew that God was real. And what I experienced was, was a power. That, that there were sins that I used to commit that I didn't commit anymore. The scriptures came alive. I mean, I would read something in the scriptures, it's like, this actually has something to say to me. I would go to Mass in the Eucharist, and it wasn't just going through the motions, but the Eucharist came alive for me. And... I'm going to quote a Dominican, and I, I don't want to do that, but I have to, all right? So let's just keep this between us, okay? So Thomas Aquinas says is that when we experience the newness of the Holy Spirit, that we experience inhabitation, a sense of the Spirit resting on us, and innovation. Something new comes about because of this. And for me, it was power. And it was the grace and the strength for me to be the person that I knew God wanted me. And we, my older brother said something really profound. I came back from this experience I was with him for a while, and my brother said to my dad, Dave is finally the person he's always wanted to be. And he was absolutely right. Is that I wanted to live in a certain way, and I didn't want to do certain things, but it wasn't until the Spirit of God came alive in my life and breathed life into me that I was able to do that. Amen? And this is everybody's story and everybody's invitation. Amen? Music ministry, come on up. I'm going to invite everybody to stand. We're just going to pray for a minute or two. 
All right, this will be really, really simple. Do me a favor, just close your eyes. And just take a breath. And maybe just for a moment, um, anxiety that you brought tonight, uh, difficulties in relationships, family, school. Some people here are really struggling with finances and you're just kind of freaking out about that. So just for a second, just kind of whatever it looks like for you to say, okay, God, take this. Fear, shame, regret. Some of you that aren't sure what you're doing here. And now we're just going to ask that God's spirit would come to us. So do me a favor, just really, really simple. Just open up your hands in front of you. And just a way of, of a simple, totally simple sign of that we're willing to receive what God has for us. And let's pray for God's Holy Spirit to come. we're singing this just in your own mind and heart asking the spirit to come to you don't worry about if you're doing it right just asking the holy spirit to breathe on you to rest on you to come with a fire to come with a power just asking that spirit to breathe life into every part of you and let's sing that refrain again holy spirit you're welcome here Holy 
just invite you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, come with your Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit that gives life. Your Holy Spirit of power and strength. Come, Holy Spirit. Baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Breathe life into me. And just for a moment, picture that, whatever it looks like in your own mind, just the Lord coming and resting on you. There are some who, who when you do this, you, you're getting a little anxious and you're not sure what's going to happen or you're wondering, it's like, well, what's supposed to happen? And just for a moment, just totally chill out and just uh, ask God to rest on you and to fill every part of you. Our Holy Father has spoken recently about how this beautiful exchange takes place, that, that the Lord breathes on us and we breathe out hurt, disappointment, frustration, anger, loneliness. So just for a moment, imagine this exchange, that, that the Lord takes our burdens, our struggles, and he breathes his presence and his spirit upon us. And just real simply, just say, come Holy Spirit. And then just wait for that. Jesus says, wait for, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Sometimes you experience a peace. about the Spirit is that we are not containers of the Holy Spirit. Rather, we're conduits or we're vessels of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit comes upon us, and that's what we prayed for first, right? That that Spirit would come and fill us, and now we're going to pray that it would move through us. So very simply, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand on the person's shoulder to your left or to your right. It's kind of everybody should have a hand on somebody, and everybody should be praying with somebody else. You may or may not even know the person, and that doesn't matter. In the eighth chapter of Romans, it says, in our weakness, we don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays through us. So we spent the first time just praying that God would rest on us, and now what you're praying is that God would flow through you and bless the person next to you. And again, you may not know what their struggle is, but the first thing we're doing is just praying that God would fill them with the Holy Spirit. We need to become accustomed to praying really, really simply with each other. 
So once again, I just invite you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Come with your light and your truth. May they know your freedom and your grace. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Now, just in your own mind and heart, if you want to kind of very quietly pray for them, that's fine. But just pray that God would bless the person. Again, you may not even know them. But ask the Lord to fill them. Ask the Lord to heal them. We're just going to pray for a couple of things. We're going to pray specifically with those who are struggling with addictions. And if that's you, you don't have to say anything. It's just like you know if you are. So when you're praying with people, just pray that they could be freed from that. There are a couple of people here who are in really destructive relationships. And the Lord wants to bring you freedom from that. So just pray for the person. And if that's you, the person's around you are praying. And that's what we're praying for. So just claim that. Jesus, come with your Holy Spirit. Even this afternoon, a couple of people here, uh, at least one gal, who, who had a, uh, an argument with your mom, and there's just some really struggle, and there's some real bitterness and some anger there, and the Lord just wants to bring healing and peace in the middle of that. So just in your own mind and heart, ask the Lord's blessing on that person next to you. You know, whatever their greatest need is, whatever their fear, whatever their struggle. Some are a little anxious about what you're going to do next year, what you're going to do this summer. A sense of somebody who's discerning whether or not to go over to Europe for the summer and just some anxiety about that. The Lord will speak to you and take care of that. to spend one more minute just praying for a couple things. And again, I'm just inviting you to pray for the person next to you. If what I say speaks to you, then just kind of own that and claim that, and then we just pray for these things. We pray specifically for the gift of faith. Some who's, you're just not sure. You're just not sure about all this. Um, just lots of questions. Lord, that you would come with the gift of faith some who are in the midst of despair and you just need the Lord to breathe hope into you the Lord wants you to know that he's present, that he sees so if that's you, the Lord just breathe hope into you some are experiencing really a profound loneliness you wonder if anybody sees, you wonder if God sees 
just let the Lord breathe into that. Literally breathe into that most personal, intimate place. There's a couple here tonight who are wondering if it's even worth it. What's life all about? Is it even worth it? The Lord, just breathe life and hope into that. Jesus, come with your Holy Spirit. Come with your grace. Come with your power. Lord Jesus, I ask your Holy Spirit to come upon this community. That you would pour forth in them your grace and your power. Bring forth the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, come with a power that they haven't experienced. That, that when they leave this place tonight, that, that there's a confidence in your grace and your presence. And they experience this. This isn't just something to talk about, Lord, but they experience it. They experience a change that the scriptures come alive, that the Eucharist come alive, that they have a power and a strength over sin and temptation that they haven't had before. Pray that grace and that blessing upon the person next to you. And claim that in the name of Jesus that this is the power of God present in your life. Come, Lord Jesus. We praise you and we bless you, Lord Jesus. Father God, I pray that you'd bring to completion what you've started. And I seal all that you've begun in your name and in your grace, Jesus. Jesus, come with your Holy Spirit. be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Here's my final challenge to you guys tonight. In the next couple of days, take uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes with the first three chapters of the Acts of the Apostles and pray what happened there can continue to happen to me. Amen? Amen. Let's continue to pray and worship before the Lord.